0: for this Thursday night edition of the broadcast here on RBN. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. So thank you for tuning in for tonight's edition of the broadcast. And it is Thursday night, so let's do the Thursday night routine. We will be getting James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com on in the second half of the broadcast to go over all the latest from the world of food, health, and the environment. But in the meantime and in between time, we will be taking your calls on anything you want to bring up uh, anything is okay. I'm willing to go anywhere, but uh, I know that some people out there are rather fired up about yesterday's episode of the broadcast, as expected. It's a contentious issue, as we were talking about the Rand Paul endorsement of Mitt Romney and where this leaves the Campaign for Liberty and the liberty movement in general. And I had my own take on it, and some of you agreed, some of you disagreed, some of you quite strongly uh, just as an example, I got a tweet uh, earlier uh, yesterday from a listener saying that I managed to miss the point and insult people on the broadcast last night, which, of course, was not the point, so I, uh, I'm not sure what to make of that, but uh, but again, uh, it is a contentious issue. Uh, I also got an email from someone thanking me for talking about Lys- Lysander Spooner and reading a little bit of his No Treason essay, And I would once again invite people to take a look at that. It it is linked up in the show notes from yesterday's episode at CorbettReport.com slash radio. And as I say, we have to start growing up and becoming political adults instead of acting like political children and abdicating our personal responsibility for all of this mess that we see around us. And perhaps it's time for us to stop waiting for some political messiah to come from the heavens. And we just cast a vote for that person every 4 years and feel like we've done our political responsibility there has to be a lot more to it than that and it has to start at the local grassroots level with the building up of alternative communities and really the uh the creation of the system that will completely replace the government as we know it today why do we need this mummy or daddy government to come along and wipe our nose and and tell us that everything will be okay even as they continue to rob us of uh, our livelihood And it's becoming more and more evident, and as the political backstabbing and deceit and conniving continues to grow, maybe it's just time that we start to realize that no political messiah is coming from the heavens to save us. It's not going to happen that someone's going to drop out of the sky and land on Capitol Hill and make it all better for us. And once we stop getting out of that form of thinking, perhaps we can start to effect real change. At least that's my take on it, and once again, the... Phone lines will be wide open tonight. Anything you want to get in on, 1 800 313 9443. But since this is Thursday night, we're going to start going over some of the headlines and some things making news around the world tonight. So let's start with uh, something that was emailed in by a listener. And once again, I do gladly welcome all email contacts in through the contact form on CorbettReport.com. And once again, I don't have time to get back to each person individually, but I do read everything that comes in. So thank you all for the submissions. And I did have this submission earlier today. These six corporations control 90% of the media in America. It's from Business Insider. They're basically republishing a graphic that was making the rounds on Huffington Post and other outlets last year. So some of the information is a bit out of date, actually. But it still makes a handy infographic that pretty, pretty well s- shows in visual form just how ridiculous this situation is, that so much of the mainstream media is owned by so few companies And this should not be surprising to anyone in the audience. It should not even be surprising to the zombies out there in TV land. Yet, it is still a good graphic to have up your sleeve and uh, to be able to show people who are incredulous. Oh, how how can you say the media controls everything? Well, they control so much of the TV and newspapers and all the other media that people are consuming. And on that note, there's another uh, infographic that came across my desk recently. About a Bilderberg chart showing how each Bilderberg member is linked to various entities and corporations and government uh, institutions. I'll throw that in as well. Quite an interesting infographic to take a look at. But we're up against the first break, so let's take a short breather. We'll be right back with more right after this. Welcome back to the Broadcast Rants. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Here we are on this Thursday night edition of the broadcast going over the latest news and headlines from around the world. And just before the break, I was making note of a very interesting infographic that was sent in by a listener talking about media consolidation. And Of course, that's something that we look at in the American context, but it's happening all around the world in Canada and in here in Japan and many other places besides As the mainstream media continues to shrink, well, with their shrinking profits, it means that fewer and fewer corporations try to consolidate as much of that media power as possible in order to make their their biggest bang for their buck, so to speak, when it comes to their media dollars. And in some ways, that's almost a hopeful sign, because it shows that people are flocking away from the mainstream media and towards the alternative media And uh, I think anyone who's listening to this broadcast already knows about that process. So thanks to the listener who sent that story in. I also got this one the other day from the New Zealand Herald at nzherald.co.nz. Benefits may be linked to kids' jabs. It says, quote, The government is considering requiring beneficiaries to immunize their children. Social Development Minister Paula Bennett told the Herald, We see immunizations as important. So when you're looking at those kinds of things, you question at what point should a social obligation be part of a requirement to get a benefit? Ministers have not made a decision on it, but it is certainly something we are discussing. Under any changes, beneficiaries would be able to opt out of immunization for conscientious reasons, but it would change the social obligation of people on welfare to vaccinate their children. End quote. Well, there you go. There's the start of the slip down the slide towards what we've come to understand as, uh, well, the way that the big government always comes in with their oh so wonderful social pro- programs, which they fund by stealing at gunpoint the uh, hard earned money of uh, basically you and I and everyone else and to dole it out to other people. Uh, and then they, well, that's such a wonderful thing. Of course, we all do want to help our fellow citizens. We want to make sure that nobody's left behind. But when that starts to happen, oh, guess what? Well, in order to get those benefits, yeah, you'll, you'll have to take the vaccines or yeah, you'll have to take this, this new experimental drug or yes, well, will ha- you'll have to let us monitor you 24 seven or whatever the next ridiculous obligation, social obligation that they want to slap on us might be. And that's the dangers of big government. That is always the danger of the big government carrot and stick system. And that's exactly how it works. They dangle out the carrot of whatever wonderful, amazing, beautiful uh, health or welfare or social safety net they want to dangle in front of us, which, by the way, of course, is only created through the theft of uh, private property from unwilling individuals called taxation. But uh, once that's accomplished, well, then they can add whatever stipulations they want to it. Once again, if you believe in the vaccinations and you think it's all healthy and wonderful, nourishing syrup, well, then... By all means, go and take it. But uh, to require other people to take it has to start to make certain people worried about the state of our medical privacy and our ability to do what we want with our bodies. And that is a very important bedrock underlying key issue, because if we don't have health freedom, what other type of freedom is really possible so uh, a very important story. I'm glad that that listener sent it in. Once again, all of the links to all of these stories will be in the show notes for tonight's episode, which will be going up shortly after the broadcast here on CorbettReport.com. Let's move along to another, well, not related, but another worrying story, uh, again from the land of food, health, and environment. Perhaps we should be waiting for James Evan Pilato to cover some of these stories, but uh, but maybe it just makes a nice lead-in for what we're coming up to later in the second half of tonight's broadcast. But here we're taking one from India today, and it's uh, under the headline, Toxin from GM Crops Found in Human Blood Study. Quote, fresh doubts have arisen about the safety of genetically modified crops, with a new study reporting the presence of BT toxin used widely in GM crops in human blood for the first time. Genetically modified crops include genes extracted from bacteria to make them resistant to pest attacks. These genes make crops toxic to pests, but are claimed to pose no danger to the environment and human health. Genetically modified Brinjal, whose commercial release was stopped a year ago, has a toxin derived from a soil bacterium called Bacillus thuringiensis, a.k.a. better known as B.T. Till now, scientists and multinational corporations promoting GM crops have maintained that B.T. toxin poses no danger to human health as the protein breaks down in the human gut. But the presence of this toxin in human blood shows that this does not happen. We'll end the quote there. You can go and continue reading that article for yourself. But there it is in black and white. New studies showing the BT toxin showing up in human blood after people have consumed these genetically modified monstrosities. Again, nothing that will come as a surprise to people who have been keeping their eye on this for Well, the last decade or so, Uh, but again, it's just another brick in that wall of stories that we've accumulated over the years that show that the official line on how healthy and nourishing and wonderful this wonder crop known as uh, GM Uh, food is is completely a fiction and is based on uh, shoddy science and is based on assertions which have no underlying basis like the assertion that this bt toxin that is genetically inserted into these crops in order to kill off certain bacteria well that's a surprise they actually turn out to be present in the human bloodstream and and affect humans well who who would have guessed who would have guessed um, of course, it is, again, as I say, no surprise, but just another worrying sign of, unfortunately, what is already happening in this grand grand spinning of the roulette wheel, as it were, with our human health, as, unfortunately, they continue to press ahead with the GM agenda, despite all of the science that shows otherwise, and we've covered that before in the past, we'll continue to cover it, but when stories like that come out, it is important for us to stored them away for future reference, because, again, it does form a brick in a wall that you can use to show uh, other people and to uh, hopefully get them to deflect the attacks that come from the mainstream media who would criticize anyone who's wary of GM crops as being paranoid conspiracy theorists. Well, let's move along. Turning away from the world of food and health and the environment, let's turn to a different type of story altogether, but one that is no less sickening. This one comes from Reuters. It came out just a few hours ago. Obama vows, we remember, we rebuild at World Trade Center. Quote, President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama on Thursday toured the soaring skyscraper being built to replace the Twin Towers destroyed on September 11, 2001, in a poignant visit to mark a new chapter of recovery from the traumatic attack. Inscribing one of the steel beams that will be part of the building's framework, Obama wrote, We remember, we rebuild, we come back stronger, followed by his signature. Obama has touted the killing of Osama bin Laden, the al-Qaeda leader behind the attacks on the United States, as one of his top national security achievements, and refers to it often as he campaigns for re-election. End quote. Well, there's the real heart of the story, isn't it? A re-election ploy to grandstand literally on the mass gravesite of thousands of souls who lost their lives during a, an attack which absolutely and completely and demonstrably did not take place. Anything like the fashion in which we've been told it took place, with the 19 Muslims conspiring with Osama bin Laden in their, his cave fortress in Afghanistan, to bring down the Twin Towers. We knew it was a lie from the beginning, or, well, the more in tune and switched-on thinkers knew it was a lie from the beginning, but anyone who's looked into it or done their own research has come to that conclusion, and unfortunately, just as Bush was literally grandstanding on the Twin Tower, the smoking rubble later that day, and saying, oh, you're going to hear from all of us soon, and all of that other political grandstanding that came in the immediate wake of those attacks... Well, it's still ten years later that you can still get the puppet-in-chief getting making political hay out of this uh, this just horrific tragedy and the killing of so many thousands of innocents. It's uh, truly sickening to the core, especially to those people who know that people like Obama know what really did happen, or at least have a good inkling of what did happen. Even if these puppets are not really let in on the operational details of things like this, they certainly do know But there's more to the story, and uh, the story is quite a bit different than what the public's been told. But it doesn't matter to people with zero conscience. It doesn't matter to psychopaths and sociopaths who will get ahead in any way, shape, or form they can. They will do anything. They will say anything. They will smile and shake your hand even as they stab you in the back. And they will campaign on your gravesite and write their little campaign rhetoric. And, oh, we remember, we rebuild, we come back stronger. Yes, well, who is that we, Barry? Who is it? Is it, is it the Bilderbergers who put you into power back in 2008 when you slipped off with Hillary to a- attend the Bilderberg 2008 in Chantilly? Is that the, uh, the people you're referring to with the we? Well, at any rate, there it is. And unfortunately, once again, this is, uh, this is nothing new. It's nothing surprising, but it does just continue to go on and on and on. And 9-11 is the gift that keeps on giving for the globalists. And we all know how it's been used over the past ten years to cover up a variety of sins and to basically make anything seem politically acceptable. Of course, there was that famous parody, I think it was on Family Guy, where somebody, or was it The Simpsons? Well, one of those cartoon shows where somebody just said 9-11 to every question and got spontaneous, rapturous applause each and every time. And it would be funnier if it wasn't true. Perhaps some of you will be familiar with the 2004 Republican Convention which someone took and cut up the pieces of the video of that online and put them together. Every single time one of the uh, the people at the speakers of that convention said the word terrorist or 9-11, strung them together in this ridiculous, horrific list. And uh, it's, it's truly laughable if it weren't for the fact that thousands of people lost their lives. And, of course, millions have lost their lives since in the wars that continue to be a ra- a- waged in the name of that 9-11 lie all around the world and uh, another example of that uh, is the the headline that came out today from rt.com two thousand dead americans the toll of the afghan war but of course that's only counting the americans well what about the afghans who continue to be killed for something that they did not do and something they had no part in it's uh... it's once again it would be laughable if it wasn't so real But on that note, we'll be back with some more headlines right after this. If you want to get in, 1-800-313-9443. That's 1-800-313-9443. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we are going over the headlines in preparation for our good friend James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com. Once again, all your comments and questions are greatly appreciated. And I just got in a tweet live here on the air from John DeMaraval, so I would like to respond to that. He asks, have you explored the alternatives for decentralized Internet access or a mesh swarm of computers? I've had no luck so far. Well, that is a very important thing to be taking a look at. Certainly, as uh, unfortunately, as we've documented so much, we are primed and ready for a cyber false flag, and it seems like all the cards are lining up and stacking up in that direction. So what do we do to prevent that type of uh, event from taking away our Internet access and our ability to really uh, talk, to interact with the outside world, especially for people like myself in the situation where I am here in Japan, where... The loss of the Internet would be pretty much the loss of all contact with pretty much anyone listening to my voice, just about, which uh, is a pretty horrific thing to contemplate. So there have to be alternatives. There have to be ways to contemplate a system that just does not rely on that trunk backbone, which, of course, was originally created by DARPA and uh, the ARPANET for U.S. military purposes, of course it has been controlled since day one, and of course they can pull that plug when and if they want to. And it is not simply a question of pulling a plug. Obviously, it is a decentralized system in and of itself, but there are controls being slotted into place to try to control our access to the Internet. So it is important to start exploring alternatives and thinking about decentralized Internet access. It is something that I will uh, devote a future show uh, to, so that we can really hash out that idea and, and talk about its ramifications and some of the ideas but just off the top of my head i know we've covered things like that before and there's a story that comes to mind which i'm pretty sure was posted on cyberspacewar.com perhaps a year or two ago talking about uh people who had started various systems for trying to get uh, some sort of alternative internet going or some sort of alternative wi-fi system that would be accessible by people in times of emergency and i seem to even recall people sticking usb ports uh usb sticks into brick walls and things so that people who uh, know where they are can go and access them and transfer files and things i can't remember the name of that article or where it appeared but i uh well we'll see if uh, james Evan remembers with his encyclopedic memory coming up in the next segment But that's a very good question, John. Thank you for bringing it in, and uh, we will explore it more thoroughly in the future because it is important, as I say. Let's turn to another, again, extremely important story, so many stories of such incredible importance coming out now. As we often say on this broadcast, it's impossible to keep up with it all, but we'll do our best to try. So turning to geopolitics and turning to what's happening in Africa right now, this, just out from the AFP, U.S. expanding spy bases in Africa. Quote, The United States military is expanding a secret network of air bases across Africa in order to spy on Al-Qaeda and other militant groups, the Washington Post reported. The surveillance is carried out by small, unmarked turboprop planes with hidden state-of-the-art sensors that fly thousands of miles, in brackets, kilometers, between air bases and bush landing strips across the vast continent, it said. The program, dating back to 2007, underscores the massive expansion of U.S. Special Forces operations in recent years and the steady militarization of intelligence operations during the decade-long war on Al-Qaeda. Bases in Burkina Faso and Mauritania are used to spy on Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb, AQIM, while, while bases in Uganda are used in the hunt for the Lord's Resistance Army, a brutal guerrilla movement led by Joseph Kony, who is wanted for war crimes by the International Criminal Court. Well, the story goes on from there, talking about uh, other U.S. aircraft operating out of Djibouti, Ethiopia, Kenya, the Seychelles archipelago. And we have touched on this before. We will touch on it again. Africa is, of course, one of the, I guess, the crown jewels that is uh, out there on the table up for grabs right now. And it is, uh, it does seem to be the China power block and the American power block who are engaged in their little cold war type struggle their proxy war type struggle it is not a hot war it is not likely to become one at least not in africa anytime soon but certainly there are a lot of pieces on the table and they are being maneuvered in strategic ways to make sure that africa's rich resources fall into our hands quote unquote and of course this type of terminology is also used and employed to try to keep us locked in that matrix where we think well, if, if if they're talking about America or Canada, in my case, or whatever it may be, oh, that's our side, and then, of course, China is the other side. Well, no, they're all the other side. They're all the rich elites who get to decide what, what and how and when and why military forces are deployed, and it has nothing to do with you, I, or anyone else you know or correspond with on a daily basis. So we have to get out of that type of language. But anyway, here we are watching these superpowers talking about uh, just just unthinkable things in, in terms of taking over and really asserting for their force on the African continent. It is absolutely crazy, but it is happening. So I would suggest as some background to this, some of my conversations and work in the past, including my conversation with uh, former Congressman Cynthia McKinney, which I uh, posted last year. Uh, you can find it on YouTube under the title Against Africom. It's also available on my website. Or, uh, I did a, a backgrounder for GRTV on the Uganda Kony hoax and where that's all heading so those are just some of the background to this but again this more and more continues to slip out about uh, bases in Africa and the deployment of troops which of course is always a big sign that there are things going on there that uh, perhaps go beyond what this headline is telling you at any rate let's switch gears entirely we're making room for James M. Pilato and Food World Order which is coming up on our plate After these messages.
1: You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
0: to the broadcast friends you are listening to corporate report radio here on rbn on this thursday night and as always we're joined in the second half of the program by james evan Pilato of foodworldorder.com who i understand is waiting on the in the wings as we speak so james thanks for coming on
2: having me back man i know we we took last week off and and that was that's your one thursday you're you're able to have
0: without me so <laughs> i i can't get away from you <laughs> oh well okay well uh lots of, uh, again on the plate as always but just in that last segment i don't know if you heard but there was a uh, question from a listener talking about the decentralized internet and whether there's alternatives i mentioned a couple of years ago there was a cyberspace war article that i can recall about sticking usb sticks in brick walls and uh forming you know d- dead drops or something of that sort do you, that- do you remember that article
2: that, and that was the one I was able actually to bring up. I could not find anything about uh, you know alternative or emergency Wi-Fi. But no, you you were pretty much on it. November 2010 on cyberspacewar.com. When Cyber Command pulls the plug, dead drops. And that's yes, it, that's yes. The, that's the USB in the in the brick wall. And it notes it kind of started out as uh, as an art project by a guy named Aram Barthol, but. This notes, and again, hopefully there would be much, much more There dead drops at at this posting in Melbourne, Paris, Ontario, New York, and Germany.
0: Interesting stuff. I don't know if I would be trusting that as far as I can throw it, unless it was, I guess, arranged in in private, but even so. But still, it's an interesting idea, and of course one of many that we'd have to contemplate in the event of an Internet takedown, but... Perhaps that's a different story altogether. Why don't we get into the Food World Order? And I hope people will follow along at foodworldorder.com, but let's start going through the stories. And as, as you and I noted
2: before the show, we're not going to try and go over the previous week's news from, from last week. There's always so very much that we just don't have the time to go, to go back. So again, I'll implore people to keep drilling down on, on the page to get all the posts. So, James, let's, you know, we can start off with something nice and and simple on Food World Order. Scientists predict imminent planetary collapse. From EcoWatch.org, a prestigious group of scientists from around the world is warning that population growth, widespread destruction of natural ecosystems, and climate change may be driving Earth toward an irreversible change in the biosphere, a planet-wide tipping point that would have destructive consequences absent adequate preparation and mitigation, or some, what, catastrophic catalyzing event, maybe? It really will be a new world biologically at that point, warns Anthony Barnovsky, professor of integrative biology at the University of California in Berkeley, and lead author of a review paper appearing in the June 7th issue of the Nature Journal. So the paper in which the scientists compare the biological impact of past incidences of global change with processes underway and assess evidence for what the future holds appears in an issue devoted to the environment in advance of, that's right, James, the June 20th United
0: Nations Rio Plus 20 Earth Summit in Brazil. Exactly right. I hope people are keeping their eye on this, because uh, Rio 20 is happening, as you say, just next week, and I think, I fear, that it's going to fall under the radar, because not a lot of people are talking about it yet. I want to try to cover it as much as possible. So if anyone out there, you, James, or any in the audience, have any ideas for for good guests on that topic, I'm all ears. I have uh, one or two people lined up myself. But it is an extremely important, or at least potentially extremely important, conference where I think they're really going to try to to um, usher in the next phase of the, I guess, the environmental agenda, which is, of course, what, w- as we know, not about environmentalism. It's really about just uh, securing the uh, the utter control for the banksters themselves as evidenced by the global warming scam that they've been trying to pull for 20 years and which all evidence shows they're going to try to drop in the near future because people are waking up to that scam, but there are lots of other scams to take its place. And unfortunately, recently, they're pl- they're pushing this planetary collapse idea, and of course there's just too many of us, so some of us are probably just going to have to die, and the rest of us will have to live like cave dwellers. Whereas, uh, of course, Al Gore and the banksters will be living like billionaires, but that's another story. As they already live,
2: you know, high on the hog, as they say, with their mansions and flights and all of those things. And seafront
0: properties, but they're so scared about global warming. The rest of
2: this post goes on to detail the Yale-connected foundations that brought us this report so james you're saying the the fine folks at yale and the
0: uh foundations don't have our best interests at heart oh why i'm sure they do maybe they're just deluded well we don't even have to speculate on what their uh, their intentions are we just know where this is all heading so uh, so again i hope to be able to cover this in more detail next week cdc issues major vaccine alert
2: Free vaccines meant for children as part of a U.S. government program may have been stored at the wrong temperature, which could make them less effective, according to a report released Wednesday. The report also potentially, or rather the report found that both expired and unexpired vaccines had been stored together in some doctor's offices and clinics, which could potentially lead to mistakes in giving the wrong version this came from the office of the inspector general in the department of health and human services the findings could apply to a much wider lot of vaccines since many of the same clinics that provide free immunizations for low income children also give shots to insured children james on a related note i don't know if you have caught recently and we did cover a little bit on food world order about the whooping cough outbreak and how seventy four percent of the cases connect to people treated for
0: whooping cough wow imagine my surprise Uh, i didn't actually follow that story but again it's uh, not particularly surprising for people who've seen how that's played out in the past with polio shots causing polio and things like that that was something that was uh,
2: originating from washington state just my neighbor to the north here and and like so many ways james i think you you probably are, are the same way as you noted so much of your news tips come now from real people they come from you know people you know in in my real life and I, I work at a grocery store and i hear health and and food stories so i first heard about the whooping cough outbreak in washington from a friend at work and then of course like anything you start to look and notice and oh yeah there it is
0: and and It's close. It's beautiful how that works, because we really are building up communities of people who uh, are interested in this, as everyone really is deep down. It's just we've been conditioned all their lives to try to, oh, don't talk about these things. But now that uh, the dams are breaking, it's funny to find all the people in our real lives who are coming up to us with all these stories and things. Uh huh. James, there's a quick post. I've been... Lately, pulling a lot, I I find
2: BrassCheckTV.com really valuable. They have a a quick post about what happens when schools care about healthy lunches, as we've seen the battle within schools of what counts as a a vegetable and who's funding what and, and all of those things. We've had recent reports as well that healthy food isn't any more expensive than junk food, and especially in the long run because you're going to pay big time for the junk food down the road.
0: Right. And that's interesting. I mean, that's a meme that I've, I've picked up on and I've spread myself. But when you think about it, it, it is based on misleading, uh, you know, portion sizes and things. Of course, uh, you know, a similar amount of, of, of vegetables are going to cost more than the, the physical size of whatever burgers and fries or whatever but when you actually start to think about how much you actually eat and how much you should be eating of course it's going to be healthier and probably at least the same price if not cheaper to eat the healthy option.
2: You you mentioned the serving sizes that reminds me and, and again
0: at, at the grocery store
2: I, I'm a big cereal fan so I find myself working the cereal aisle a lot and I've noticed and it's and it's nice to be able to kind of t- to help parents and, and kids find that middle ground with cereal which of course is the the battleground because the kids see the characters and all those things and the stuff they've seen on tv and that's what they want but i've noticed growing up my mom had the limit of of 12 grams of sugar per serving that was the that was the limit of what my brother and i could get for cereal that pretty much kept us in the kicks kind of area of not very you know to a kid exciting cereals but when i look at them now and i pick up fruit loops or cocoa puffs it's below that 12 grams of sugar rating and i know full well that growing up was like oh these cereals were never even close to being in the range of what i could get so i know that they've gamed
0: those survey statistics to to lower the numbers There you go, and it's the kind of thing you'd never see unless you were actually studying these labels, and, of course, how many people actually do that. James, we'll turn to another note that we, again,
2: touched on on our latest New World Next Week episode, and this comes from enviroreporter.com on the radioactive nightmare. The Ventura County Reporter Alternative Weekly Newspaper is the first print media in the U.S. that tackles the real threats that Fukushima triple meltdown radiation poses to the Pacific Ocean and the West Coast. Millions of Southern Californians and tourists seek the region's famous beaches to cool off in the sea breeze and frolic in the surf. Those iconic breezes, however, may be delivering something hotter than the white sands along the Pacific, buckyballs. According to a recent UC Davis study, uranium-filled nanospheres are created from the millions of tons of fresh and salt water used to try and cool down the three, and counting, molten cores of the stricken reactors. The tiny and tough buckyballs are shaped like British Association football soccer balls. Water hitting the incredibly hot and radioactive, primarily uranium oxide fuel, turns it into peroxide. In this goo, buckyballs are formed, loaded with uranium, and able to move quickly through the water without disintegrating. North America is also directly downwind of Japan, where the government is having 560,000 tons of irradiated rubble incinerated with the ash dumped in Tokyo Bay. And that big, that burning began last October and is scheduled to continue through
0: March 2014, if we can make it there, James. Ooh, not good news at all. Not good news at all. And uh, the fact that it's now turning into these, uh, these structurally stable compounds that will, as as they're talking about, be able to travel quite easily over to the, your, your neck of the woods there on the west coast. Um, it's quite disturbing for everyone involved, and of course for us here in Japan, where they are incinerating the rubble. So, uh, so again, it, it's one of those situations where you look at it and you think, well, what do we do? What do we? What can happen at this point? To to make this nightmare end. I, I, that's the thing. I, I, when you look around at the world and you
2: see the things that uh, attention is is given to and the amount of money and time spent on things, you look around and you, know, you obviously see our, our
0: understatement of the episode, James. Our, our priorities, I think, are out of whack. <laughs> <laughs> understatement of the decade or the <laughs> century, perhaps. But yes, no, I mean, it's just another example of how, for example, they can... Focus on the uh, the terror threat for the last decade and hype up every you know. There's a Muslim behind every corner and uh, under every rock who's out to get you. And once you're dead, but you know, real serious problems that threaten the, the 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 ecosphere of the northern hemisphere. Oh, let's you know, let's sweep that under the rug. So I mean, we all know that this is a problem, but again, it's a question of how do we refocus the attention where it needs to be focused. James, a, a quick note on something I've, I've tracked and
2: paid attention to throughout the years now on Media Monarchy. And there was an update that I got from Inquisitor.com, where the CBSI looks inside Plum Island's secret labs. For the first time in many years, members of the press got inside the U.S. government's secret labs at the Plum Island Animal Disease Center. CBS News reported that the island, which is controlled by the Department of Homeland Security, has labs staffed by scientists from the USDA. Transportation on and off the island comes by special government ferries guarded by armed officers. James, this is where they create the diseases, and what this surrounds was the idea of moving this, and, and they basically want to move the Plum Island facility to Manhattan, Kansas, where it would basically be in, in the middle of America's what's left of it, farm belt so let's put a place that's already been noted for the accidental release of foot and mouth disease and i often cite a book called lab 257 by a guy named michael christopher christopher carroll the disturbing story of the government's secret plum island germ laboratory where he makes the case that that's also where lyme disease came from and that's where the first outbreak of lyme disease
0: happened Right, and that's not a particularly out there theory i think a lot of people Um, pretty much take that for granted now. And even just jumping further down in that same article, after a 1978 outbreak of hoof and mouth at Plum Island caused the death of more than 200 animals, biocontainment facilities were built, and all animals were moved inside. Well, that that instills confidence in putting it, as you say, right there in the farm belt. Um, Just wonderful idea, isn't it? So I think, at least, fortunately, the way it stands now is that that's been
2: denied and, and the facilities are going to stay at Plum Island, I think, which is also, you know, now growing out of date. So it's it's damned if you do, damned if you don't.
0: Unfortunately so, and uh, that's exactly the way they like to engineer the problems. James, we'll hit our, our last
2: couple of standalone stories before we blast into the binge and purge of headlines. From treehugger.com, of course, what would a Food World Order episode be without an update on food stamps? How much do corporations benefit from SNAP as Congress, before they get ready to go on their 4th of July recess? As Congress proposes cuts to hungry families, a new report raises questions about how much food makers, retailers, and big banks profit from food stamps. And we've noted SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. And in the past... I, I forget off the top of my head which are the biggest banksters that benefit from the the food stamp industry. Just another way of showing of they've, they've they've as long as we're playing their game, the house is always going to win. They're going to get you one way or the other.
0: Exactly right. Big government and their handouts is not the answer. And the other note. From
2: Op-Ed News, Obama trade document leaked revealing new corporate powers. A critical document with the PDF link for you coming from citizenstrade.org. From Obama's free trade negotiations with eight Pacific nations was leaked online early Wednesday morning, revealing the administration intends to bestow radical new powers upon multinational corporations. Of course, contradicting prior promises you can get more on this from Fire Dog Lake, where they note the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And folks are urging transparency for this so-called NAFTA for Asia. But again, our, our man, Ron Wyden, senator here in Oregon, has been so incensed by the lack of access as to introduce legislation requiring further disclosure. So with a brief note back to cyberspace war, Ron Wyden's also done well to put a hold on some of the furtherance of Obama's visa surveillance, the, the football he's carrying from the previous previous puppet administration.
0: That's right. Well, sometimes the puppets do the right thing in trying to take down the other puppets or put, the power, put some chains on what Congress is doing, and we have to support that when and if it happens because we are playing in the real political world here, and uh, unfortunately not everything can be ideal. So when someone like Wyden steps up to the plate and does something good, we should applaud him for it, and um, when someone like, uh, well, I don't know, Paul votes for or endorses uh, someone who's going to go with the NDAA, I think we have to uh, step up and denounce it, and uh, no compromise, because compromise is the way that we start losing this political game that they want us to play. That's the way we actually pick up the ball and start playing the political game that they want us to play. no comment from james all right well on that (laughs) note we will take a short break as the and you can hear the music in the background we're coming up on the break but we will get into the binge and purge right after this we also have one caller patiently waiting on the line to talk to both myself and james so we'll get to him after this short break stay with us we'll be right back be dead and uh, that is some sage advice we better get, get get ourselves together while we have time because we don't have a lot of time on this earth and on that hopeful slash very sad note <laughs> let's uh, finish up with the binge and purge and see if we can fit the last caller or maybe two on the line who are waiting patiently so james let's get to the june 14th binge and purge on foodworldorder.com
2: It's called Hemp for Victory, Expired, Epidemic, and More. And in addition to the Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps CEO being arrested for a hemp demonstration on the White House lawn, which, again, I heard about when I was buying some Dr. Bronner's soap at at the store the other day. But, again, Oregon Senator Ron Wyden urges Senate to let farmers grow industrial hemp. This ties into the U.S. Farm Bill, and James, guess who's a co-sponsor? Rand Paul. In other news, Western PA School Union wins the right to eat expired cafeteria food for free under a settlement. And among all the other things on the binge and purge, something else to note that now Michigan seems to be the site of strange explosions and booms and even perhaps radiation spikes. So, James, all that and so very much more, all available on foodworldorder.com.
0: Weird goings on all around the world, and I'm glad you've got your eye on them. So we've got a couple of callers. Let's see if we can squeeze them in the last couple of minutes here. Mike from Kentucky, I know you've been waiting a long time. Thank you so much for holding on.
1: Yeah, well, I called when you were talking about uh, trying to figure out you know, uh, alternatives to the Internet, and there's an article, I think it was up on Mike Rivero's webpage, uh, written by somebody else, called What to Do When the Government Shuts Off the Internet. And it runs down a series of things that can be done, like ad hoc. This is the word you want: a d h o c. Ad hoc wireless networks. You can build those to uh, connect a community. Um, you you know use your uh, some free downloadable software, which you need to get before the internet goes down. Uh, and there's also the old-fashioned dial-up bulletin board software still available to have bulletin boards if people can have dial-up modems, which are also getting hard to find. Uh, a lot of computers don't have them anymore. But dial-up Internet is still out there. To You can also use. And uh, uh, believe it or not, I still have a connection. But uh, there are several things like that in that article that talks about even ham radio. And one thing I would recommend for you in Japan is to research what's called FTA, or free-to-air uh, satellite and uh RBN of course is on uh free to air satellite all over North America and various places it can be received on those uh and over in Japan there's going to be some satellites with English uh, no,
0: that's some great points, and it's a good point because we do have to think about low-tech um, as, as alternatives and backups. Even fax machines can come in really handy in, in the event of an Internet takedown. And I know I've seen articles like that in the past, so I will definitely scrounge up some technical details for a, a show in the future. Mike, thank you so much for bringing that in, and let's just see if we can squeeze in John from Canada. We only have about a minute left, but John, you're on the air.
1: Hi, James. Um, I just wanted to plug a, a piece of information there. Like uh, when you were talking about um, the uh, uh, food stamp uh, program in the United States, that is managed by J.P. Morgan. They are making money on people's demise.
0: James, you got any final
2: comment on that? That is the note. And, and they're also, they were behind a lot of the mountaintop removal
0: in West Virginia. They're behind every ill on earth, it seems. Wow. Well, doing God's work, I'm sure. All right, uh, John, sorry we're fresh out of time, but thank you so much for that. And thank you, Mike in Kentucky. Thank you to all of you out there for listening. And, of course, thank you to James Evan Palato, foodworldorder.com. Thanks. All right. Take care, everyone. I will see you tomorrow night. And don't forget, next week we are switching to an earlier time. We are switching to 7 p.m. Pacific. That's 9 p.m. Central. 10 p.m. Eastern, so I'm looking forward to talking to you all then. Uh, That's starting next Monday. Tomorrow night, we'll be back with our usual Friday night edition at the usual time. So until then, thanks for listening. Take care.